Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you are listening. Welcome to the Back Roads Preacher podcast. I am your host, Reverend Randy Barker. The episode that you're going to be listening to today, it was one that was originally just a practice episode, as I'm just now getting started in the podcast ministry. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. I still really don't know quite how to put together a podcast, and I'm still just trying to learn. But I am a preacher called by God to preach the gospel. I'm trying to do just that with this podcast. It is my hope, my desire, my prayer that those that listen to the episodes, that they will, if they're not saved, get saved. If they're saved, but haven't yet experienced the second blessing, the second definitive work of God's grace, entire sanctification, that they will get sanctified. That those out there that are depressed and discouraged, that they will find encouragement. But that most importantly, the name of Jesus will be exalted and lifted up above all others. Like I said, I'm just getting started with this ministry. I don't quite know how long it's going to take me to to really get into the swing of things. I've been a preacher for, for many years. I've pastored multiple churches. And I know from past experiences that when you begin a new ministry that it takes some time. It takes some time to learn. I'm learning what equipment to have. I'm learning how to put episodes together, so you might notice that um, some of the episodes will change from time to time. Some of the segments, some of the episodes will be um, recordings from sermons that I have preached in previous places in the past. Some of the episodes might just be clips that I have of miscellaneous sermons that's compiled together to make an episode. Again, I'm just learning, so I I just ask that you will bear with me. I hope that you enjoy the episodes. I hope that you continue to listen in the future and that we can grow together through this new experience in ministry for me and that we can all grow closer in our relationship and our walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's the episode. I hope you enjoy. God bless. In just a moment, we will get into today's message. But first, I'd like to take just a a brief bit of time to tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus, He is the answer to every one of life's questions. He is the fix to every one of life's problems. He is the solution 
to every single situation. He is the hope to the hopeless, the help for the helpless. He is our Savior. He is our sanctifier. He is the blessed baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He is the divine healer. He is the soon coming King of kings and Lord of lords forevermore. Blessed be His name. Isaiah tells us that He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John the Revelator tells us that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the bright and morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. One poet wrote these words. He said, in Genesis, he is our creator God. In Exodus, he is our redeemer. In Leviticus, He is the Holy One of Israel. In Numbers, He is our guide. In Deuteronomy, He is our rabbi. In Joshua, He is the Almighty Conqueror. In Judges, He is the Judge of all. In Ruth, He is our kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, He is a powerful prophet. In 1st and 2nd Kings, He is the King of Kings. In 1st and 2nd Chronicles, He is our intercessor. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the builder. In Esther, he is the deliverer. In Job, he is our healer. In Psalms, he is the inhabitor of our praises. In Proverbs, he is your wisdom for life. In Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is our lover. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is our comforter. In Lamentations, He is the consolation of Israel. In Ezekiel, He is the Son of Man. In Daniel, He is the Ancient of Days. In Hosea, He is the Loving and Gracious One. In Joel, He is our Refuge. In Amos, He is the God that Promises. In Obadiah, He is our Mighty Savior. In Jonah, He is the Savior of the World. In Micah, He is our our Peace. In Nahum, He is or avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the Holy One. In Zephaniah, he is mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the Lord of hosts. In Zechariah, he is the crucified Son. In Malachi, he is the Son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the King of the Jews. In Mark, he is the faithful servant. In Luke, He is the Son of Man. In John, He is the Son of God. In Acts, He is the risen Lord. In Romans, He is your justifier. In 1 Corinthians, He is your righteousness. In 2 Corinthians, He is the triumphant one. In Galatians, He is our Redeemer. In Ephesians, He is the head of the church. In Philippians, He is our joy. In Colossians, He is our completeness. In 1 Thessalonians, He is our hope. In 2 Thessalonians, He is our glory. In 1 Timothy, He is our mediator. In 2 Timothy, He is our master. In Titus, He is our blessed hope. In Philemon, He is our benefactor. In Hebrews, He is our great high priest. In James, He is our judge. In 1 Peter, He is our example.
In 2 Peter, he is our purity. In 1 John, he is our life. In 2 John, he is our pattern. In 3 John, he is our truth. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith. In Revelations, he is the Lord who is coming soon. Blessed be his name forever. Myself, I like what he told Moses when he simply said, I am. Meaning to me that he is whatever I need. And I love him so. Now let's get into the message. So that I can tell you a little bit more about who my Jesus is. And exactly what he has done for each and every one of us. Morning's study. It ended as God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden and we saw that he done so as a result of their sin and so they could no longer have access to the tree of life that that God told them no in your sin you cannot live forever and can you imagine how they must have felt as they left that garden as they walked through some of their and through and past some of their favorite places as they as they walked out to out the edge of it as they walked away and no doubt turned back many times and till finally it was out of sight can you imagine the the devastation the heartbreak life as we know it is over no more paradise on earth no more life on easy street imagine. Try to put yourself in their shoes and how they must have felt. And that's how the chapter ended. And that's that's how our, our study yesterday ended. With heartbreak and devastation and despair. Hopelessness. Helplessness. But today as we get into chapter 4 and verse number 1 we see a glimmer of hope see a spark of light we see that in the midst of all that despair in the midst of all that heartbreak in the midst of you shall surely die we see new life as it begins we see that Eve had a son that she named her son Cain that she had another son she named him Abel and there in verse number one of chapter four, Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, I don't know when you hear that verse or when you read that verse, I don't know what thought comes to your mind as you think on that. But I'll tell you what I think. That in the midst of her sin, in the, in the midst of her mistakes, in the, in the midst of her faults and her failures, God's still there. That God still loves her. That God's still providing. That God's still taking care. Yeah, he kicked them out of the garden. So that they wouldn't have access to that tree. But he didn't abandon them. He didn't leave them. And he would have had every right in the world to. I mean, think about it. God gave them everything. And they said, we don't care. We want more. 
and they run God's perfect relationship. They run God's perfect creation. They run God's perfect plan for their lives. And God would have had every right in the world to have just throw his hands up and said, No, you made your bed. You like I'm done with you. But he didn't. He went with them. He took care of them. He gave them children. He blessed their lives. You know, as I think on that thought, I can't help but think of my own life. I can't help but think about all the all the late nights, all the crazy things, all the all the things that should have killed me that I done. Can't help but remember all the times I woke up in strange places. How did I get here? Where am I even at? Can't help but remembering of all the times that I woke up in my own bed. Wondering how to get here. Look out the window, see that my truck's out there. Lord, how did I get from from where I was to to here without wrecking and dying? How did I get through all of those late nights? How did I do all those things to, to so many different people and not get knocked in the head? Not get killed? How am I still alive? How am I not in a in a devil's hell today where I'm deserving of the wages of sin is death? How did I not end up surely dying? There's only one thought that can come to my mind. Only one conclusion that I can come to. Only one reason that I can give. God was there with me. God was watching over me. God was protecting me. Even though I was in sin. Even though I was living in the pleasures of sin that last only for a season. Even though I was making all those mistakes. And even though I was deserving of surely dying. God took care of me. And he got me to where I am today. What a God. What an awesome God. What a wonderful God. To love us that much. That even in our sin, He's there. He cares. And he takes care of us. For that, I just simply have to say, praise the holy and wonderful name of Jesus. What an awesome God. Wow, what an awesome God. But we see here in our story that over the process of time, Cain and Abel, they grew into to young men. It came time for them to bring their offerings unto the Lord. Abel being a, a, a shepherd, keeper of the flock, he brought the firstlings of the flock and the fruit thereof. Cain being a, a farmer, a tiller of the ground, he brought the grains, the fruits, the vegetables, the, the nuts, the figs. Scripture tells us that Abel and his offering was accepted, but that Cain and his offering was not accepted. And you know, at first glance, before we get the, the rest of the story, before we put the pieces together as to why, at least if you're anything like me, we, we kind of feel sorry for Cain, don't we? Lord, why didn't you accept Cain? Except Abel, why didn't you accept Cain? Was it because Abel's offering was more valuable? No, we know that's not it. You don't have to write the biggest checks, give the give the biggest bills. Not everyone can afford to do that. And God knows that. In the New Testament, Jesus stopped everything to give notice to the widow and her might. 
all these rich men throwing in their big bills. And Jesus said, look at her. She just gave all she had. That impressed Jesus. That impressed the Lord. And he stopped everything. Look at her. That's an offering. That's how you give to God. Say, where are you going with this preacher? Why did, did God accept Abel and not accept Cain? We see that Abel gave the firstling of the flock. That means the best he had. He didn't, he didn't go through the flock and see one that was blind, see one that was lame, see one that was diseased and, and dying anyway and give that one to God. No, he found the best one. He found the most beautiful one that he had. He found the healthiest one that he had. He found the one with the most potential to give him the most. He said, God, I love you. God, I thank you for everything you've done for me. And I know that this don't come close to what you've done for me. But it's the best I've got. And it's yours. It's yours. And then he gave the fat thereof. Meaning that not only did he take the time to give the best. But then he took the time to prepare it properly. He said, God, this is the best I've got to give. And I want to present it to you in the best way that I possibly Cain, on the other hand, and you might say you're reading too much into the story, preacher, maybe. I don't think so. Scripture don't really tell us this, but this is the way I picture it. Cain, he come up, he went through all of his fruits and vegetables and, and grains and herbs and, and figs and, and all of that. He stored up all that he needed, which was plenty. God blessed him and gave him the increase, I believe. Then he took the leftovers to God. And I believe that while he was there with the leftovers, that maybe he looked down and for that apple, I'm going to keep that for myself. Now that fig there, that's, that's just too good. Them grains, I'm just going to keep that little bit here. Okay, God, there you go. You can have the rest. And God said, no. No, I don't want it. I'm not going to accept it. It's not your best. You see, God don't want what's left of us. He wants the best of us. He wants us to surrender all to Him. He wants us to live a life devoted to Him. He wants us to serve Him, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what God wants. That's what God demands. That's the only thing God looks at. People come to, come to church... And they leave church and they say, well, I've done my duty for the week. I've done my Christian thing for the week. I'm good. I'll be back next Sunday morning. They think that's good enough. God's saying, no. I don't want two hours on Sunday morning. I want your life. I want your week. I want your weekends. I want your nights, your mornings, your noons. I want you. I want your best. Not what's, not what's left over. Not just the rest of you. The best of you. Say, so, well, preacher, what, what leads you to believe that that's why God didn't accept Cain's offering? Well, we find here 
that the Lord said, verses 6 and 7, The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. God tells him, Do what's right. I'm going to accept it. You live for me, I'm going to accept it. You, you give me your best, I'm going to accept it. If you don't, sin lies at the door. I'm not going to accept sin. I'm not going to tolerate sin. I'm not going to condone sin. I want a surrendered heart. I want a surrendered servant. I want somebody that has said, I'm yours, Lord. Do with me as you will. And then I'll accept that. That's pleasing. That's good. I'll say okay with that. And along that same line of thinking of yesterday, I want to ask you, what do you think God was also doing here when He came to Cain and He said, if you do what's right, I'm going to accept it, but if you don't, I'm not. I believe He was giving me an opportunity to straighten up and fly up. I believe that even though he'd made mistakes in the past, that God was saying, I'll forgive those mistakes. They'll be gone. I'll throw them as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them again. But you need to straighten up by right from here on out. I believe he was giving him that opportunity. But what did Cain do? In the very next verse, he went out and he murdered his brother. He went out and killed Abel. God came to him and came. Where's your brother Abel? Just like he did in the garden with, with Adam and Eve. And I'm going to say again, do you think that God didn't know what had happened? No, God knew. God knows all. He sees all. No secrets, no hidden things from God. He knew what Cain had done. He knew that Abel had been killed. His blood cried out to the Lord. God knew. So then why ask? Because again, he was giving him the opportunity to come clean. You see that reoccurring pattern through these, these first four chapters? We're going to see it throughout the entire Bible. That reoccurring pattern of God giving man the opportunity, chance after chance after chance to come clean, to get right, to confess their sins, to repent. God was giving him that chance. But Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother keeper? Am I supposed to always know where he's at? God said, no. I saw you. I was there. I know what you did. And now that you didn't come clean, you're going to have to suffer the consequences. You're going to have to, you're going to have to pay the price. And he told him, from this day forward, you're going to be a fugitive in the land, a vagabond. It's going to be a wonder. Never going to have a place to call home. You're, you're never going to have a, a nail to hang your hat on, so to speak. And Cain, he realized how bad it was. He realized the mistake that he had made and said, God, this punishment's too harsh. This punishment's too bad. Everyone that sees me, they're going to want to kill me. And God says, No, I'll put a mark on you so that they won't. You know, you hear people tell this story or read this story or preachers expound upon these verses and their talk like that mark is still part of the curse. I disagree. 
that mark on Cain, that was not the curse. That was a blessing. That was an undeserved blessing. That was what Cain wasn't worthy of. Cain killed an innocent man. Cain murdered a man of God. One that was accepted by God. A child of God. He deserved death. He deserved the same that he gave to his brother. But God gave grace. God gave mercy. And God said, I'm going to go with you, Cain, even though you don't deserve me to. I'm going to watch over you and I'm going to protect you. They're not going to kill you. But now you've got to leave. We find that Cain went to the land of Nod. He married a, a wife there. Had a lot of people ask me, before most preachers have, have, have had a lot of people ask them when they get to this passage, where, where did she come from? I don't know. Why do we want to dwell on the things that we can't answer? I don't know where she came from. Maybe she was a, a daughter of Adam. We know that he had daughters. They was never given names, just simply the daughters of, of Adam. So he had them. Maybe it was one of them. Maybe she was one of them. Maybe she was another one created by God. Where do you think God could only take the dust of the earth and form one man, only take one rib and make one woman? Now, come on, he's God. His hand's not short. His powers is not limited. What he has done once, he can do over and over and over again. Maybe that's maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But I know he went to Nod and he married a woman. How do I know? Scripture tells me. That's all I need to know. So I'm not going to dwell on the, on the things that, that I can't give you the answers to. But we find that when, when he got to the land of Nod, that he married this woman, and then we read that he built a city. No, Cain. That's not what God told you. This wasn't God's instructions. You're to be a fugitive. You're to be a wanderer. You're to be on the run, on the go. You're not to have a place to call home. You're not to have a nail to hang your hat on. No. But Cain was saying, God, I know what you said, but I'm going to do it my way still. I don't need you, God. You say I'm supposed to, to wander all over? No, I'm going to build a city and stay right here. And as we find in, in future chapters, God said, no, you're not. No, you're not, Cain. And we're going to find that, a, that along comes a man named Noah. In future chapters, we're going to get to that. We're going to see that, that God told Noah, you're going to build a boat. I'm going to cause it to flood, and I'm going to destroy all of mankind, but I'm going to spare you, your three sons, their wives, and your wife. And Cain and all of his descendants and everyone else that went the way of sin, they drowned when the water came down. God said, you're not going to do it your way and live forever. You're not going to do it your way in the pleasures of sin and, and expect me to allow that to happen. It's just not going to be that way. We find as our, as our chapter closes here today that Adam has another son. His name is Seth. He's born in the likeness of Adam. Now remember, when God created man, he created man in his image and in his likeness. Perfect, without fault, without defect, without sin. But Adam sinned. And now Seth is born in the likeness of Adam. He's born in sin. He's born with that sin nature, just as everyone that has been born since then is born with that sin nature. 
You might say, well, what about the little children? They're not born with a sin nature. They're, they're innocent. Oh, yeah? How come they're always getting their hands smacked by, by their mother for putting their hand in the cookie jar before dinner? How come you, you can stand there and watch a kid do something that is wrong and say, hey, what'd you do that for? They turn around and look at you. What? I didn't do nothing. It wasn't me. I just saw you. I just watched you. Now they're born with that sin nature. We all are born with that sin nature. And in sin, we will surely die. But we don't have to. One thing is all we have to do to be able to live eternally. And we see that one thing right here as, as chapter 4 closes. Seth and his descendants began to call upon the name of the Lord. Cain and his descendants went their way, the way of sin. Seth and his descendants started to call upon the name of the Lord. Along came Noah, a descendant of Seth who called upon the name of the Lord him and his family was saved Cain and all those that went the way of the sin they drowned when the water came down call upon the name of the Lord that's all you got to do you want to live, you want to have eternal life you want to have salvation, you want to be saved whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that's what scripture tells us don't matter what you've done, what mistakes you've made, what sins you've committed. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope that this message today has spoke to someone that has been viewing the video or somebody that is going to be viewing the video. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I would love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless. I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and will tell others so that they can listen as well. It is my desire that through this podcast ministry, as well as throughout all of my ministry, that people get saved, that people get sanctified, that people come to experience the divine healer. And that people get the hope of glory, the hope of heaven, that Jesus is our soon coming, returning, conquering King of kings and Lord of lords forevermore. As we close here today, let's do so with a song and let's just worship the Lord. Amazing grace. Oh, how sweet the sound that saved an old wretch like me. I once was lost, oh, but now I'm found. Well, I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught.
my old heart to and grace my fears relieved. Oh, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed well through many dangers tools and stairs well I have already come for his grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, 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 praise God.